Welcome to the Bare Knuckle Nonsense Podcast. This is episode two, Brock, um, coming at you. Uh, last week we had 15 listens, so we're really hitting the, you know, hitting the ground running, um, so to speak, and uh, we just expect the money to come flowing in steadily from here on out. Um, I'm your co-host, Brent West. You can follow me at Brent West MMA. I'm here with my co-host, Brock Enlow. You can follow him at Enlow Brock MMA on Twitter. Um, so how are you feeling, man? I'm good, dude. I'm good. I'm excited for this this card this weekend. A lot of people are sleeping on it, um, but yeah, dude, I'm good. Yeah. So we're gonna start out the show on kind of a depressing note. Um, obviously, anyone listening to this podcast has already heard the news that Anthony Rumble Johnson has passed away at the age of 38. Um, the cause of death has not been disclosed, and uh, just out of respect for the situation, we're not gonna speculate on uh, what necessarily happened, but. Um, um, just a massive loss, a tragic loss for the MMA community. Um, you know, if you get on Instagram or Twitter, you've seen, um, you know, tens of, and 20 and 30 or so fighters, um, you know, post about what Rumble meant to them and, you know, times that he would call them for words of encouragement. Apparently that was a thing that Rumble liked to do is uh, call and check in on several different fighters. Um, but yeah, um, somebody who has fought for the title twice, um, has had some incredible knockouts. Was definitely one of the most popular fighters in the mid two thousand or mid two thousand tens, and yeah, it is absolutely tragic. You have any thoughts on that, Brock? No, just a great fighter, and according to the fighters that knew him, greater person. Um, like you said, they said he was always reaching out to people, making sure they were all right. Um, I know Daniel Cormier hit on that in his post. I saw several others uh, that trained with him, like Gilbert Burns, talk about that as well. But, yeah, definitely a sad time for them. Um, we'll be thinking and praying for their family of Rumble. But, but yeah, big loss to the community. My favorite Anthony Rumble Johnson moment is probably a popular moment. But uh, when he knocked out uh, Glover Teixeira in, I think it was 12 or 13 seconds, um, I was actually um, – at Buffalo Wild Wings, I think that was Conor McGregor DS2. Yeah, that was. On that was. card. So um, that card was spectacular, and um, he probably had, you know, the highlight of the whole card. Um, so it's just absolutely tragic, especially to lose such a nice person in the community. Um, I know that he had he had um, business dealings with Bare Knuckle um, Fighting Championship as well. Um I saw Bellator even released a, uh, you know, a statement, um, you know, saying that they felt bad for the family and sending their condolences, and obviously the UFC did as well. So we just wanted to touch on that in the beginning um, because it is quite a loss, and uh, we will be thinking about his family and keeping them in our thoughts and prayers as well. Um, but on a lighter note, we're going to move on and talk about the uh, fight night coming up this Saturday, November 19th, which is UFC Fight Night Lewis versus Spivak. We're going to touch real quick on just the main card. I know um, Brock has some people on the undercard that he wants to touch real quick, so I'm going to let him take that over real quick. So, um, depending on if you watched this last season of The Ultimate Fighter, uh, Volkanovski versus Ortega, you you recognize the name Brady Highstand. Uh, he fought for the uh, Bantamweight Championship. He actually fought injured in that fight, and he lost in the championship, but they signed him anyway. Um and he's supposed to make his UFC debut, actual UFC debut, not gotcha. the Ultimate Fighter. Um, and I'm excited about that. He's a favorite, uh, negative 170 favorite. So he's he can do both. He doesn't just strike. He wrestles as well. But he is, I believe he is known for striking. So I'm excited to watch him as he takes on Fernie Garcia. And then one more on the undercard is Ricky Tur- Tertios. Uh, 
he bangs. I don't know if you watched him. I, I don't know if I pronounced his name right, but that dude, any fight he watches is a dog fight. He just likes to stand, swing. He gets rocked, but he, he he's a solid fight to watch. So that'll be an exciting fight. And then lastly, if you know Zalagas Zumagulov, that dude, he's a solid striker, solid wrestler, solid prospect. He's, I know he's 14-7, and seven, but uh, he's a fun fighter to, to keep on, keep watch on. So those are my main people to to watch on the undercard so um yeah definitely check out their fights all three of those are exciting fights um but yeah let's get to the main card dude yeah so starting out the main card we have jack della mandalina versus danny roberts danny roberts is a little bit of a journeyman since he made his ufc debut he is 18 and 6 um he started out 2 and 0 and then he had an absolute war with mike perry back in 2016 i don't know if you remember that fight it was one of the fight. It, I believe it was Mike Perry's second fight in the UFC. Um, I can check that real quick. Let me see here. Either way, it was an absolute dog fight. Um, Danny Roberts actually lost that fight, and since that fight has kind of gone, you know, a couple winning streaks followed by losing streaks. Um, he has wins over Bobby Nash. Um, he has another win over uh, Ramazan Emeve. Um, so he's had eight knockouts, five submissions. He's a very well-rounded fighter. He fights out of Sanford MMA. Um, he's an absolute stud as well, even with the losses. He has great length as well. So I definitely expect him to put up a fight. But if you look at the fight odds on there, um, <clears throat> Della Mendelina is absolutely the favorite at minus 625, while Danny Roberts is plus 450. So I think, you know, Vegas is on to something here. I I don't like looking at odds because I don't think odds can necessarily predict um, the way the fight is going to go um, accurately all the time. But Vegas makes Vegas is their pro at this, right? Yeah. So I do kind of expect uh, Della Mandalina to come away with a victory here. Mandalina is on a tear right now. He's actually won his um, his last twelve fights. He actually started zero and two. And now he's 12 and 2. He fights out of Scrappy MMA. Love that name. And he's from Australia. And this fight will be taking at welterweight. Um, this fight should be a banger. Um, I expect Jack Della Mandalina to come out swinging. He has 10 knockouts out of his 12 wins, and he has one submission. So he's definitely a stand up type of fighter. So I would expect fireworks out of this. And um, definitely be looking out for the prospect in Jack Della Mandalina. I think this is a fight that they will be looking to put him on the map, especially since um, Danny Roberts has taken several KO losses at this point. And another thing to look out for is uh, I guarantee you he wins. He gets out of there unscathed or not severely injured. I guarantee you, though, he'll try to slide on that UFC 284 personal straight Yeah, card. definitely. I, I you know, we're to a point now, like we used to see it with Brazil where they would stack the card with Brazilians, but now we have such representation in Australia. We should kind of expect them to stack that card with Australians as well and New Zealanders as well. Yeah, they're 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 coming up. I mean, there's tons of them. Kaikara France, we'll get to that, but I believe he got a fight announcement. He'll be fighting, but we'll get to that later on. And moving on to the next fight, we have a welterweight matchup between Andre Fialo and Muslim Salikov. Muslim Salikov is 18-3. and three. He actually lost his last fight against uh, Lee Jiling. 
I the leech. The leech. leech. I'm just going to call him the leech because I mess his name up so bad. Yeah, I can't pronounce um, it. He was actually knocked out right at the end of the second round. So that was his uh, first loss in his last um, five, his last six fights. So um, he's definitely strong. A strong contender. Go ahead. Is he from Dagestan or is he? I don't know for sure. He's for, he fights out of Burkut Fighting Club. So I'm not I'm not for sure if he's I mean he he fits, he fits the bill. <laughs> yeah, he got he's the got the long nose. He's got the buzz hair. He's got the beard. He definitely fits the bill. But what makes me think he might not be from there is he has 12 knockouts to two submission wins. Okay, yeah. That's so a, I, that's that's not that's really summer. common for a fighter that fights out of the camp that you know um, Habib and Islam. Habib and Islam fight out of. So I would that's going to be I would expect that to be a stand up war, but don't be surprised if it goes to the ground either. As far as Andre Fialo, that's another guy that bangs. He is currently sixteen and five with thirteen knockout wins and one submission. So I do expect this to be a back and forth battle. Vegas kind of has this as a pick 'em right now. Um, the odds are you know very even. Um, I would probably think that Muslim would come away with the win here, just because of the uh, quality of opponent, <clears throat> not necessarily the quality of opponent, but just kind of the uh, 500 record over his last uh, four fights, uh, Fialo. He lost to Jake Matthews by TKO, and um, in a couple, and earlier this year, he lost to uh, Michael Perea, M Michelle Perea, yeah, he's, sorry. He's good, though. He lost to him by unanimous decision. Of course, Perea is the one that likes to do all the cartwheels and the interesting strikes in the cage. Um, what's interesting is that he comes from Portugal. Um, there's not too many Portuguese fighters on the call on in the UFC roster period as a country that we don't have much um, representation from. So it would be interesting to see if uh, Fialo can pull out the dub here. Um, do you have any thoughts on that, Brock? Uh, no, I just think in general, I've watched Fialo several times and he's a fun fighter to watch. He likes to throw his hands. So, I mean, that'll be an exciting fight. And like you said, it's up in the, up in the air for who wins. Vegas even has that. So negative 105, negative 115. I think I'm going to go with Fialo, to be honest, um, after watching him. I haven't really watched Sleekov though, that much. And he's also got the build of a, a Russian, like a Dagestanian. So I don't know, maybe, maybe he wrestles him, but he also likes to throw right. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to make a, a pick, but if I had to lean which way, I'd go probably Fialo. Yeah, between these uh, fighters, they have three submissions. Okay, yeah. So, and they have, you know, 25 plus um, knockouts. So, I do think it'd be a war. Um, a thought that I had earlier was uh, Andre Fialo. He's fought five times this year. That's a lot of wars in a short amount of time. His last fight was in June, but he fought in January, April, May, and June. So, he fought he, from April to June, he fought three times. So, What's his record in those five, three, three and two? He is for this year. He is two and two. Two and two. Okay. But in that in that span that was just three months, he was he was uh, two and one. Two and one. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you know, definitely a fighter who is um, you know looking for some paychecks for sure, and definitely to get on a winning streak. I would imagine that he is a very um, you know determined individual, focused on his goals. So, you know, especially I always think that when someone is extremely active. So yeah. And moving on to the next fight, we have a fight at heavyweight between uh, Chase Sherman and we have uh, Waldo Cortez Acosta. Um, Cortez Acosta is 8-0, so he's definitely a prospect. He has um, one fight in the UFC. He actually came from uh, the Contender Series where he beat, um, he beat Danilio 
Suzart. Um, he KO'd him in that fight. And his uh, first fight in the UFC was back in October 29th, so he's turning around and having a fight pretty close, too. Um, it wasn't as spectacular as his, um, as his uh, Contender Series fight, um, but he did get the unanimous win over uh, Vandera. Jared Vandera, who is 12 and 10, so definitely a journeyman fighter. Probably wasn't much of a test for Cortez Acosta, to be honest. Um, what's interesting about him is he was actually the uh, Legacy Fighting Association. He was their um, um, heavyweight champion before he went to Contender Series. So he's definitely a fighter um, that's still probably a little green against top competition, um, but certainly a prospect nonetheless in a, in a division that is always looking for um, bodies to throw in their new talent to come in. Um, I definitely think this is a name that you should watch out for. Um, Chase Sherman is currently 16 and 10 in the UFC. Um, he's probably had more success on Twitter than he's had um, in the cage. He's kind of he's had um, quite a losing streak before his last win. His, his last win is actually against Acosta uh, Cortez Acosta's last opponent too, which is Jared Vandere. Vanderera. Um, but before that, he was on a four-fight losing streak. Um, I believe he was actually even cut from the UFC at one point. Um, so, you know, just kind of a journeyman fighter. He definitely is not a submission artist. He's never submitted anyone in his career. Um, and his 16 fights, though, the 15 of the or 16 wins, 15 of those were knockouts. Oh, wow. So he only has one decision victory. This card seems to be more of stand and bang. It's definitely stand and bang. Of course, we'll get to you know the next card. In fact, I think the only uh, predominantly uh, wrestler on the card is Sergey Spivak. Yeah. So. So we can see a lot of knockouts potentially. Absolutely. So I don't think this is a, one of those fight nights that um, you should overlook. I know with Derek Lewis being the main event that there'll definitely be some eyes on the fight. Mm -hmm. But certainly, if you can, you should tune in for the entire main event. Our main card, even the under, or even the undercard as well. Um, with this fight, the odds are not as skewed as I thought they would be. With uh, Cortez Acosta coming in as a minus two twenty favorite, um, with Chase Sherman being a plus one eighty um, underdog, um, I just I haven't seen Chase Sherman be able to put it together for long periods of time. It seems like every time that he comes into a test, um, he, he fails. Um, when I said earlier about Chase Sherman being more successful on Twitter, he seems to have pretty good a pretty good following and has a lot of funny tweets. But his success on Twitter doesn't really translate into um, into the cage, yeah. into the octagon. <clears throat> so I, I would probably look to see Cortez Acosta uh, come in there and have maybe a signature knockout. As well, we've seen Chase Sherman take some bombs before, yeah. and this is definitely a fighter with some miles on him. Um, with 26 fights as opposed to Cortez Acosta, who has only had eight fights. Now, having said that, we see this all the time where someone is kind of spoon-fed opponents and one of those opponents gets like a knockout or a surprise unanimous decision over them. So it will be interesting to see, you know, the composure that Cortez Acosta has. Chase Sherman's a big boy. He is 6'4", 255. He has a 78-inch reach, which is um, right along with Cortez Acosta, and he has the experience advantage. Like I said, Cortez Acosta is very green, so I guess that would kind of be why the the odds are a little uh, even, a little more even than what I expected. But nonetheless, an interesting fight to see. Um, definitely tune in to see Cortez Acosta in his second UFC fight for sure. Yeah, like you mentioned earlier, you never know how they're going to be being 
a few fights in. Spoon fed. You saw that um, last card, UFC 281, with uh, Matt Frivola and Otman Azatar. Um, Otman was undefeated, came in and got knocked out by a steamroller Frivola first round. And uh, <laughs> I think I'm going to go with uh, Waldo Cortez Acosta, though, in this one. I just feel like he's uh, he was a champion in another... another and Legacy Fighting Association. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I, I think he... And Chase Sherman, like you said, journeyman, I think he knocks him out. I'd say late round one, early round two, if I had to make a prediction. Yeah, and LFA is kind of, is a very respectable, smaller organization. Um, they have good ties with the UFC as well. They spoon-feed a lot of their champions into the UFC yeah. um, proudly. But, yeah, for sure, uh, a fight that we should look out for. Um, and uh, moving on to the co-main event, we have Kennedy in Zichekwu. Inzichekwu, I looked that up. I tried my best to get that right. Versus Ion Kutalaba, um, Kennedy Inzichekwu is ten and three, while Ion Kutalabe, I think it's Kutalabe, is sixteen and eight. Um, Kennedy Inzichekwu <clears throat> is um, came from the Contender Series as well. He lost his yeah. debut to uh, Paul Craig. No one to sniff at, and that is no. tough to have. As your first, um, as your first uh, fight in the UFC, um, Paul Craig, the Scottish nightmare, he likes to wear that war paint. I love watching Paul oh. Craig fight. Oh, me too. I've seen Paul Craig in trouble so many times, and he's able to uh, come away with a submission somehow. Yeah. Um, but enough about him. We'll talk about him when he's on a card. Um, Kennedy has actually gone four and two in his last six. Um, he's coming off a two. Uh, a two-loss streak, um, and then actually had a win in the summer against Carl Robertson. Um, He knocked him out halfway through the third round. So um, he has never submitted anyone in his 10 wins. He has seven knockouts, so definitely another person that likes to bang, likes to stand up. So this is another fight that could potentially have fireworks as well with uh, Enzichekwu coming in as a minus-180 favorite, while Ion Kutelaba comes in as a a plus-1. 155 underdog. Um, everyone loves to watch Ion Kutelaba fight. Um, unfortunately, his fighting style does not always translate to victories. Um, he's lost. coming off a two-loss streak against Ryan Spann and um, Johnny Walker. Johnny Walker. Yeah. Um, obviously, we touched on the last episode, Ryan Spann's nothing to sneeze at. Um, but when Ion Kutelaba made his splash into the scene, there was a lot of hype around him because we... I think he's he's for the just bleed guys. Um, you know, he's he's someone who goes in there and he loves to uh, throw hands and scream at his opponent and make a show. I think that's why I love him so much is because I never have to worry about if the fight's going to be exciting, and that's always a plus, even if the fighter wins or loses. Yeah, and he paints up too. He, he paints himself as the Hulk. I that's right. He's done that before. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so this fight's going to be definitely want to keep an eye on. This is going to be a knockout. Uh, I have no doubt. Um, I hope I hope that Kudabella gets it done. Kudalaba, however you pronounce it. Um, I watched his two fights against Magomed Ankalov, who's fighting uh, this coming up. I think in December he's fighting for the number one contender spot. Um, but also the um, the guy he's fighting, I can't pronounce it. What Inzeku? Inzeku. Inzeku. Yeah. So he's nothing to sleep on either. I mean, 
you could tell that by his first fight. His UCW was giving Paul Craig. It's mm-hmm. no easy, no easy fight. So they think highly of him too. And I think either of them gets the job done that night. But I think it's going to be by knockout for sure. And he's another fighter with Nigerian roots as well. So you know, Nigeria definitely getting some attention in the UFC as well. And it's always good to see fighters come from African countries as well. Um, you know, to try to you know expand the sport and different things like that. I think it's important for us to touch parts of the world that not net that don't necessarily have a whole lot of sport representation over there. So that's always nice to see. Um, Kute Laba has a lot of experience, though. So he has losses against uh, Misha Serkinov. He's fought against Jerry Cannonier. He's, he's lost to uh, Glover Teixeira. He's fought Magomed Ankalaev twice. So he's definitely fought a murderer's row of opponents. Um, he does take care of business when he when he has to against you know fighters that are lesser like Henry Henrique da Silva and uh, you know Devin Clark who is nothing to sneeze at as well. Um, what we common see though is Ion Kutelava fighting kind of silly, unintelligently. Um, his last two um, losses were actually submission against strikers. So with Johnny Walker, he was submitted in the uh, first round, and then Ryan Spann, of all people, submitted him in the first round as well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. He fights out of a good camp at Extreme Couture, so it will be interesting to see um, if he can, I don't know, fight smarter, yeah, so to he, speak. He overextends too much. He, he needs to fight more technical and sound um, and not throw crazy and throw everything in one punch because that's when you, when you give up opportunities to get submitted or it countered and exactly and he's fought strikers before he's fought you know fighters that you might even compare in Zichekwu to um he's knocked out Khalil Roundtree Jr. that was probably his most notable win to yeah. be honest and uh you know but he just needs to keep his head I think the majority of his losses have been from lack of focus when you look at the fight against Magomed Ankalaev the first one especially, he was in there playing around and the ref made a terrible decision and stopped the fight. Yes. He was kind of doing that drunken monkey type of fighting, um, and it cost him big. And then in the second fight, he was KO'd in the first round because Ankalaev is no joke. Yeah. So um, that's nothing to sneeze at, um, fighting him twice. But, you know, you would expect him to kind of do better against Johnny Walker, a fighter who's also been up and down, but Johnny Walker submitted <clears throat> him in the f- very first round. So... Um, I would love to see Ion Kutelaba put it together. He's a fighter out of Macedonia, so that would be awesome to see as well. Um, another another country that's not really representative represented yeah. in the UFC. So that's a very interesting fight. Ion Kutelaba always makes it a show, even though he is the underdog. So I would probably expect Enzichekwu to come in there and methodically pick him apart just because, I mean, we're in the UFC at this point. All these fighters watch film on one another. Um, they know Ion Kute, they have plenty of film on Ion Kute Lava. Um, so it, you know, I, I think they know what to pick apart with him. Yeah, they know um, he's going to overextend. And right. They're going to find a, a counter. Yeah. And, uh, Inzichek, who fights out of Fortis MMA, um, that's a pretty good camp. So, um, that's a fight to watch out for because, um, I know they're trying to get Inzichek, um, you know, kind of on a streak here in the light heavyweight division, um, trying to, you know, push him up and on. Um, and Ion Kutelaba is just kind of a fan favorite that people like to watch. Um, moving on to the main card, we have Derek Lewis, the Black Beast, obviously a fan favorite versus Sergey Spivak. Um, a lot of, probably a lot of, um, I would say not well-informed fans probably wouldn't know who Sergey Spivak is. Um, Sergey Spivak is an absolute animal. 
Um, he is actually, let me see here. He is six and three in the UFC. He has wins over people like Tai Tuavasa, Carlos Felipe, Alexi Olenek, Greg Hardy, and Augusto Sakai. Those I are, mean, those are absolutely solid fighters. In fact, he may have even no, never mind. I don't think he actually retired Greg Hardy um, from the UFC. I think that was Tai Tuavasa. No, it was Sergey Spivak. That it? is that is uh, Greg Hardy's last opponent, which got him cut from the UFC. Okay. Um, Sergey Spivak in his last <clears throat> two fights is is knocked out his opponent. Now, most of the time, that comes from laying on the opponent, yeah. dominating the wrestling, and finishing him with strikes. Um, but Sergey Spivak has surprised a lot of people. His debut, I think he was a deer in headlights. Walt Harris um, actually knocked him out in the first round. Walt Harris is a very active fighter. Um, so I think, if I remember that fight correctly, he, he, um, he just rushed him. Mm-hmm. And the fight was over extremely quickly. In fact, it was actually over in 50 seconds. So, you know, quite the introduction into the UFC. But he followed it with a win over uh, Tai Tuivasa, where he submitted him in the second round. Um, not for nothing, it, with the way he looked in his, in his debut fight against Walt Harris, if he had lost to Tai Tuivasa, we could maybe see him getting cut. But then he followed it also with a loss against Marcin Tabura which is kind of a similar fighter in a way out of Poland. Um, So he was actually at a crossroads there being one and two in the UFC. And they put him up against the Brazilian Carlos Felipe, um, who's definitely a striker. Mm -hmm. And he took care of business. He won that fight um, 29-28, I believe. Um, And it was unanimous as well. And, um, or it was a majority decision. One fighter, one judge called it a draw. Um, And he followed that up with a, Another win over Jared Vanderera. This is actually just the Jared Vanderera um, winner's card. Um, there's three fighters on this card who have beaten Jared Vanderera, so that's kind of interesting as well. And then he went on to have a unanimous decision over Alexia Linick, the boa a, constrictor. Yeah, it's a good win. Right that there. is a, a very impressive win. It's, you know, again, that in that fight he wrestled him, and he took a guy to the ground who is famous for getting submissions when he's taken to the ground. So. With his Ezekiel choke and everything, so Derek, go ahead. Derek Lewis also has a win over Olenek. Uh, mm-hmm. He knocked him out. Um, Very different ways of winning, for yeah, sure. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a... And they also... He lost to Tai Tuvasa as well, mm-hmm. So as as so did a Spivak. So. Sergey Spivak also had his win against... Um, his win against Tai Tuvasa during Tai Tuvasa's massive losing streak. I believe he lost like four in a row. Okay. Um, he had a re- he had a big fight against Junior Dos Santos. He lost that, and then after that, I think he went on like a four fight skid where he was losing to fighters he was definitely better than. Um, so that's still though that's nothing to sneeze at. Derek Luce comes into this fight twenty six and ten, while Spivak is fifteen and three. Derek Luce is actually the underdog in this fight, that and is- I think that's accurate. No, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you never know how Derek Luce is going to be. Sometimes he never even throws a punch and gets submitted. Sometimes he never even throws a punch and gets knocked out. You saw that with Cyril Gain. He didn't really get going against that. Um, you, like you said, you saw him lose to Ty Dubas, so he's, he's been submitted before, I believe. Um, so, yeah, but that also isn't a bad a bad bet if you wanted to bet on Derek Lewis because you see him knock out wrestlers like Curtis Blades mm-hmm. um, when they shoot. So, I mean, I don't know. If I had to, if I had to pick, I'd go with Spivak. Um, but you can never count out the Black Beast. Um, it's one shot power. And I would I would also say Derek Derek Lewis is kind of at a crossroads in his career. I mean, let's face it, he's definitely up in age. He's thirty seven now. Yeah, he said he's got a um, 
few more fights on his career. He knows. I think Derek Lewis is kind of in the twilight of his career. I don't necessarily see him um, fighting for the title again. Um, we may just kind of see him right off into the sunset soon. He's definitely. We we've touched on this, you know, or multiple MMA outlets have touched on this. Even Derek has touched on this. He's not much of a trainer. Yeah. Um, he's had several fights where he's trained thirty minutes a day and went in there and either won or lost spectacularly. You know, so it's interesting to see. He's coming off the worst loss in his career, though. He was knocked out in under a minute in the first round by Sergey Pavlovich, um, which is nothing to sneeze at. This guy is definitely legit. He's sixteen and one, but still, you would you would think that someone who has fought for the title, I believe, he's, is Derek Lewis fought for the title twice? twice? Yeah. Okay, so. he lost to uh, he lost to Daniel DC, and then he lost to Ciragon, losing to Ciragon in DC. Nothing to snip. Nothing to you know overlook. Um, his last win again is against Chris Dawkins. Um, we saw him in a war against Tai Tuivasa, where we thought Derek Lewis had many opportunities to put Tai Tuivasa away. But something that always comes into play with Derek Lewis is that gas tank. Yeah. And you kind of saw him punch himself out, and Ty was still there, and he finished him. Um, so we're kind of at a crossroads here. Um, having said that, having put Derek Lewis on that, we're categor- categorizing his his career is on its last leg. We've seen him absolutely demolish wrestlers before. Um, we saw him, you know, knock out Travis Brown, who was trying to wrestle him, absolutely um, demolished him. And then we saw someone who I would consider the best wrestler in the heavyweight division, Curtis Razorblades. Mm-hmm. He knocked him out, and I thought Curtis Blades would win that win that fight, something like thirty twenty six. I really did. Yeah, no, he stone cold him with the uppercut and mm-hmm. shot. And it seems like it seems like only you would think that it would take someone who's like a submission artist or like an equally talented wrestler to kind of beat Curtis Blades. But Curtis Blades only loses to knockout artists. It seems like yeah. he's lost to Francis Ngannou twice. And he's lost to uh, Derek Lewis, so it seems like he has a real chin problem with in punching power as well. But you know, moving on again, we, we don't want to get off uh, too off track. Um, I don't necessarily know. I love Sergey Spivak, but I, I do. This is the first card he's headlining. He's been an undercard fighter. Yeah, so it's, so it's interesting to see him get you know be the headline, be a headliner for sure. Um, is this in Vegas? I don't know for yeah. sure. Yeah, is it in Vegas? Yeah, the Apex. Okay. So, you know what? I'll, I'll take it back. So, if the, if it's in the Apex, there's not going to be any fans there. So, I don't think... I, we may see Sergey Spivak come in there and just put on a wrestling clinic. For sure. Sergey Spivak <clears throat> doesn't speak a lick of English. Um, does not sound <laughs> like a good matchup for Derek Lewis at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you should never... You can never count, count out the Black Beast. No, at all. N- never. And this card is actually... An early card. I don't know if you knew that. It's that prelim mm-hmm. start at twelve, and mm-hmm. the, the main card starts at three. So that's something to keep your eye on too. Don't don't miss it. I think they're trying to capitalize since it is a Saturday in the middle of college football season. They're probably trying to hit a sweet spot mm-hmm. um, with some midday games that maybe aren't necessarily necessarily as interesting. Um, so I think um, for us, we always like to see cars start at nine o'clock. Yeah, but um, I think the UFC is using some strategy here to try to get as much viewership as possible, especially for an apex card. That's kind of what you're shooting for because you're not going to have a gate um, to you know collect money from there. So. Yeah, no, I, I I think it's a solid time because, like you said, there's some key matchups for the playoff contentions later on that night. So 
I may have already mentioned this, but uh, Sergei Spivak comes into this fight as a minus 200 favorite, while Derek Lewis is plus 170. Um, you know, the, the odds, I think, are pretty fair there. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are take, heavily taking Derek Lewis in this fight because they haven't seen or remember Sergei Spivak fighting. It hasn't been a whole lot of, you know, highlight reel wins, but Sergei Spivak is, is kind of like a diesel engine. He just gets it done. It's not sexy, but he gets it done. That's right. So, with that being said, final pick, who do you think? I think Sergey Spivak is going to win this fight 29-28. I do think Derek Lewis um, might have some success early, but I do believe that the only way that this fight goes in Derek Lewis's favor is if he wins by knockout. And I think it has to come in round one or two, early in round two. I agree, exactly. So I was about to say, if he does get a knockout, it's going to have to come early because that gas tank don't hold up, especially against wrestlers. I think Sergey either wins two rounds or all three. I agree. I agree. I'm going to go with Spivak as well. So I hope you all uh, look into that fight, um, look into that fight card, rather, um, because it is an interesting one. A lot of um, kind of, I don't know if I would say unknown, but definitely um, some fighters that don't have a whole lot of popularity behind them. But definitely a fight with a lot of knockout artists, except for Sergey. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, moving on to some MMA news, I'm going to let um, Brock take over with our first. All right, so... Uh, in case you missed it, they announced a f- another fight that's been added to UFC 284. Um, Alex Jack Perez. I'm so sorry. You good? <laughs> so yeah, they added another fight. <laughs> I was looking up how to pronounce his name earlier, and it keeps playing that, oh, no, you good, that damn video. <laughs> you good. I'm, I'll just hit that in 34 minutes. You could leave that in. <laughs> it's funny. We'll just leave it in. Leave it, all right. Nobody's going to listen to this. No, dude. We'll leave it in. All right. So yeah, they announced, like I said, they announced UFC 284, another fight that has been added. Alex Perez versus Kaikara France. As you know, Kaikara France trains with um, City Kickboxing. Mm-hmm. So Israel Adesanya, Dan Hooker, Brad Riddell, who's actually taking some time off. Yes. I don't know if you saw that mm-hmm. uh, after his last loss, which is alright. I think it's good for him. But um, So yeah, that fight's been added. Did you see Izzy got arrested? I did. So uh, um, Israel Adesanya, the former uh, middleweight champion coming off his loss against Alex Pereira, um, was arrested in JFK Airport um, in New York City for carrying brass knuckles. So, Did a fan give it to him? That's what I heard. I, that, that's the rumor that a fan gave it to him, according to his manager. Um, if you know anything about New York State, um, they do not take kindly to weapons of any kind, owning them illegally. Um, they have very strict gun laws, and I can only imagine that the, the laws against you know carrying a weapon into an airport are also um, pretty strict. Um, so I actually was looking this up when that video went off. Um, in Australia, they're not they're not legal either, and in fact, over there they call them knuckle dusters. <laughs> so uh, I'm not I'm not actually for sure um, what Izzy was thinking. I would imagine he wasn't thinking about it at all. He probably just packed it in his bag as he was trying to leave. It got picked up on the metal detector, obviously. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure the shape of knuck- of uh, brass knuckles comes through pretty well um, in the scanners as you go through security. Um, uh, I mean, I would expect this to kind of just blow over. I don't. It's not like Izzy used him and punched like a, a pedestrian yeah. like old or man. something. <laughs> I know. It's not like he knocked. He got mad and hit an old man because he didn't like his whiskey. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. Um, um, I, I, I also don't know. I, I, he might get some sort of fine or something like that. Maybe have to do. I don't know how they handle community service with someone who is not a citizen and is not supposed to be in the country. 
I don't know. I'm, I I'm assuming... Don't, I, I, Obviously, we don't expect jail time or anything no, like that. No, if McGregor can avoid jail time for punching a dude in a bar, Izzy's almost right up there with him popularity-wise. Right, um, right. I think it blows over. Maybe a fine. Mm-hmm. But if you're Izzy, I mean, like you said, he probably wasn't thinking about it. Plus, he don't even have to use brass knuckles to do the G. It's so preposterous that I can. I just don't think there was any thought behind it. it you know, I'm sure a lot of people give Izzy gifts, and... It, it just doesn't. It just didn't make sense. I, I just don't think there was much thought behind it. I don't think it was purposeful no. at all. I doubt he was trying to smuggle them. I'm sure it was very obvious he had them, you know. So uh, just keep an eye on that story going forward. I don't expect much to come out of it. But uh, speaking of fighters getting in trouble, Iria Latifi has been suspended for three months for not disclosing a staph infection prior to his last bell. That's crazy. I think he's also fought Derek Lewis. Before. He has. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's wild. I mean, you got to. I mean, I, I understand that one. You gotta let people know you're sick. Staph infection is contagious, obviously. Well, it's it's not only contagious; it can be deadly if, yeah. if not treated. And I know I, I just said it could be deadly. Nobody knows anyone who's ever died of staph infection. But once you get staph infection, you get it again and again, more commonly mm-hmm. after that. Um, I actually had a friend in high school who got staph infection, and then would repeatedly get it like year after year. Yeah, I've actually had that. it multiple times. Really? I picked okay. it. We used to go swimming in the creek. That explains a lot. Yeah, and I got a cut on my elbow, and I picked it up, and then I get it from the gym a lot now. So I make sure to wash my hands, which I'm not contagious. I don't have it now, so don't worry. I'm not going to touch you, buddy. <laughs> so um, Iri Latifi actually fought Derek Lewis in his debut, and okay. he spoiled his debut because Iri Latifi was a big prospect coming into I remember UFC. that. Um, Iri Latifi has been ranked um, in light heavyweight and heavyweight, I believe. Yeah. I think that's right. I think that is right. So, and let me... Let me double check that it was Derek Lewis who beat who beat him in his debut. I believe it was. I know they fought before. Um, um, you know something that I before I figured that out. Another thing, um, when I think of staff infection, the fight that always comes to my mind is a Tony Ferguson versus Kevin Lee. Yeah. When Kevin Lee walked out and he had that massive lump on his chest, and Joe Rogan <laughs> immediately was uh, told in his microphone in his earpiece. Do not talk about a staph infection. Do not talk about a staph infection. And Joe Rogan immediately went, he has a massive staph infection. So it was just extremely, uh, that was kind of a funny moment, you know, kind of another thing that you could throw on to Joe Rogan's compilation <laughs> yeah. of funny moments. He um, seems like he's always taking criticism. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, I three months is nothing. Yeah. So, um, but it is, it is a... Um, you know, precautionary. Um, I was absolutely wrong about uh, Iria Latifi's um, <laughs> debut being against Derek Lewis. Um, he had probably fought um, maybe eight times <laughs> prior to uh, him uh, him meeting Derek Lewis in the octagon. So uh, please just forget that I said that. So, um, but yeah, Iria Latifi, a Swedish fighter. He actually fights in the camp that Gustafsson fight. fought. Fights at us back there, their sparring partners. So I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. I don't know if you saw the Poirier. They're still beefing Poirier and Chandler. Supposedly Poirier said this is his house after he won, and Chandler took saying, "Oh, what MSG is your house? This logo is your house." And uh, freaking um, Poirier called him a dweeb, and they keep going at it. And supposedly, you know, you, when Michael Chandler put his fingers in his mouth, supposedly Poirier said that he bit the crap out of him. Um, he was he could play dirty too, so I thought that was pretty funny. I don't even think it's dirty at that point. No. I think if you if you watch the fight back, 
Chandler had like cupped his hand Trying around to his top jaw to pull his uh, teeth up, kind of skull drag, skull drag him essentially. Like a fish hook, to yeah. yeah, basically like a fish hook to uh, pull his head up to get that choke under. And uh, no, I don't blame Dustin Poirier at all. I would have bit his fingers off myself. Yeah, you know, see, that was that was a little dirty. Not even a little. That was dirty. Now the uh, the blood thing, I don't really know. I mean, yeah, that was probably dirty too. He could have leaned, but then again, he blew a clot out of his nose. What I'm talking about. Yeah. And he said after the fight that he didn't create gravity, but yeah, they're still beefing. So when you walk, when you watch that fight and um, you, you see him spit all that blood on him, you immediately think, oh, he did that on purpose. Because it was so much at one time, it like they were talking back and forth. But um, it didn't come across as very intentional to me. What, when I think intentional, I think of Luke Rockhold in his last fight when he had that massive cut and he rubbed it all over Paula Costa's face, you know? So. It, to me, the intent wasn't there, but yeah, absolutely. I think this beef is fake as yeah, as hell. Me too. I, I don't see. I mean, these are two very well accomplished fighters and they live in mansions. I, I feel like, at what point do you actually hate your opponent if you're making millions off each other? Yeah, so, no, it's publicity. Yeah, I I, and they they come they're cut from the same cloth. Um, absolute animals. Again, though, you know, as we we touched on our last pod, Michael Chandler. It seems to really can't, and he's fought a murderer's row, but he can't seem to get a winning streak going. So no, and I don't, I don't see him getting a winning streak going. To be honest, if they keep feeding him, the fighters are going to feed him. But Dana likes him. I know he said that he's a fun fighter to watch, so he ain't got to worry about getting cut anytime soon. By no means, but he wants gold, like you know, Michael Chandler. So. Do you think it's a reach thing with Michael Chandler, with him being kind of a shorter, stockier fighter? We do see him get pieced up in his losses. I think that that has one thing to do with it. Another thing is I think that. He falls in love with violence too quick. Like once he lands, he like, oh, he's a shark. He smells it. Yeah, he, he throws wild, crazy punches instead of being calm, collective, and precise. Like like you see, and maybe against. Sorry to interrupt you. Maybe against the uh, the type of competition that he was fighting in Bellator, which he fought Benson Henderson. He fought Eddie Alvarez. Pitbull. He fought Pitbull. Um, you know, I, I don't know if. If maybe he just gets accustomed to winning those exchanges when he smells blood, because he's always been a killer. Mm-hmm. He's always put it out on the line. He's he's lost before. I think one of his last fights in the UFC, he lost to a prospect because he broke his ankle. Yeah. Do you remember that? I can't remember that guy's name. He was like seven and zero at the time. I think he won the belt. Huh? I'll have to go back and look that up. We need to make sure we look that up. But anyway, um, yeah, it's just you know. Speaking of. Chandler, I don't know if you saw, Eddie Alvarez called him out. He's wanting to get back in the UFC, so we'll see if that happens. Well, one championship has not gone as well for Eddie Alvarez as it has for Demetrius Johnson. No, he's a free agent so, now. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, and one other thing that uh, we wanted to touch on is uh, John Dotson is scheduled to make his uh, his Risen debut um, for New Year's Eve. I put that on there because I actually ran into John Dotson in New Orleans. Really? When I went to the Final Four last year. Uh did you recognize him immediately? Yeah. How could you not? Because he, yeah. he looks like a Ninja Turtle and he's 5'3". Yeah, he was walking into a restaurant, so I got, I was like, John, and he waved at me, but I didn't I didn't want to stop him from his family, plus I was headed to get some beignets before the championship game, but... Oh, that's probably a good choice. Um, it seems like we see more and more that celebrities are having negative altercations <laughs> with their fans, um, especially, well, at least it's publicized in the MMA world when fan interactions do not go well. Um so it's probably a smart decision. Yeah, he seemed like a cool dude, though. So I'll, yeah. I'll be rooting for him in that that debut. So yeah, um, you know, 
I'm assuming he's getting a cash grab to go to Risen. Risen is reminds me a lot of Pride, kind of the wild, wild west without any legitimate fighters, though. Um, mm-hmm. We've seen Ian McCall fight in there. Of course, they have fights with Gabby Garcia where she's fighting grandmothers. Yeah. Um, so she's really good at you know putting people in their graves there, being 250 pounds and a 6'5 woman. So uh, they have a lot of freak show fights. Um, so it'll be interesting to see who they put um, John Dobson against. With him signing with Risen, I'm kind of surprised that one didn't make more of a run at him. Yeah, to be or honest. That's PFL. why I think it's kind of a... But I don't know why he didn't go to PFL. That's where you make money, supposedly. That's true. That's true. Um, I, I don't think PFL has much of a strawweight division. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, um, yeah. That's true. Um, well, it's not strawweight. It's not strawweight. No, no, that's, that's women's. That's uh, women's. Bantamweight, I think. Or flyweight. 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 Bantamweight oh. is 135. Flyweight being 125. That's right. Um, John Dawson's fought at both. In fact, he knocked out um, TJ Dillashaw in one of his early fights um, that's right, at right. Bantamweight. So, um, John Dawson has also fought um, for the flyweight belt twice against Demetrius Johnson. I guess that's kind of why I was thinking that maybe he would go to one just because there's blood there. One's trying to get more traction. Let's sign a talented UFC fighter. But that's I, he, he, he went with Risen. I'd imagine he's getting paid handsomely. And, uh, yeah, it would be nice to see him dance into the octagon, or I guess the ring, rather, when yeah. he goes into Risen. Um, so, yeah, that's just kind of an interesting thing. Um, go ahead. As we wrap up, um, we this is the last fight, I guess, fight night, fight card, whatever you want to call it, before uh, December, so this last one for November. I know it's not much, but we'll have Thanksgiving. I think there'll be a break. And then December 3rd, the big Orlando card. So mm-hmm. that's looking forward to Stephen Thompson, Kevin Holland, and then it'll be UFC 282. So, yeah, lots of things to look forward to. Thank you guys so much for listening. We want to give a shout-out to Elliot Burgess, who uh, created the uh, intro and the outro. You can find his music on Apple Music and Spotify. So go and give him a listen. Um, also, uh, news coming to the podcast, we'll be looking to get fighter interviews going forward. Um, we want to give us some spotlight to maybe some you know prospects that would be looking to get in the UFC and also have some UFC stars on our podcast as well. That's right, and and I haven't talked to you about this, but we're planning on making a uh, Instagram account we can follow okay. us on, and uh, hopefully, as we get rolling, go on YouTube and have video with our podcast. So that's just a few announcements as we close. So yeah, so thank you guys so much. So tough on me to watch you